Shalom, Holy Scriptures and Israel is a ministry designed to share with the Jewish people the good news of the Lord Jesus Yeshua the Messiah and to instruct Christians on the Jewish roots of their faith. And now, teaching God's Word from a Hebrew Messianic perspective, here is Gideon Levitam. Shalom, my dear brothers and sisters and dear friends. We are very blessed to study together the Word of God and especially the study of the book of Daniel. And so I would like you please to turn with me today to Daniel chapter 9. In Daniel chapter 9, we have already learned of the sincere concern that Daniel had for his people the people of Israel, and for his city, the city of Jerusalem. And we have covered already the first 19 verses of Daniel chapter 1, where Daniel realized that the time for the restoration of Israel is just about to come. Some 68 years have passed by. And so at about 539 B.C., in the first year of Darius the king, it was this godly Hebrew man, Daniel, who opened the books, the prophet Jeremiah, and other prophetic books that were available to him in Babel, including the Torah, the law. And so he opened them and he realized that 70 years are just about to be fulfilled in the time of the restoration of the Jewish people back to the land. And so if you remember, beloved brothers and sisters, we have learned of this sincere concern of Daniel, who took his heart and brought himself before the Lord. And he, from verse 3 to verse 19, he prayed unto the Lord on behalf of his people Israel, And also, beloved brothers and sisters, confessing Israel's sins and his own sins, and beseeching the God of heaven, the God of Israel, to fulfill the promise that he promised that after 70 years he will restore the Jewish people back from the galut, from the dispersion, back to their homeland and to their home city, the city of Jerusalem. And so now when we arrive to the 20th verse, verse 20 to verse 27, we learn some truths that are very important because in these verses we learn about the prophetic time clock, the prophetic program of God concerning the Jewish people, the people of Israel, during the times of the Gentiles. And so notice what we read here. In verse 20 to verse 27 of Daniel chapter 9. And so we read, And while I was speaking, Daniel is saying, And praying and confessing my sin, And the sin of my people Israel, And presenting my supplication before the Lord, My God, for the holy mountain of my God, Yea, while I was speaking in prayer, 
even the man Gavriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the evening oblation, and informed me, and talked with me, and said, O oh, Daniel, I am now come forth to give thee skill and understanding. At the beginning of thy supplication, the commandment came forth, and I am come to show thee, for thou art greatly beloved. Therefore understand the matter, and consider the vision. In verse 24, Gabriel now giving instruction to Daniel. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring an everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the Most Holy. Know therefore, and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the Prince, shall be seven weeks, and threescore and two weeks. The street shall be built again, and a wall even in troublous time. And after threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself, and the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a flood, and unto the end of the war desolation are determined. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week, in the midst of the seven, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abomination, he shall make it desolate even until the consummation, and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. And so, beloved brothers and sisters, in Daniel chapter 9, from verse 20 to verse 27, we have the prophecy of the seventy sevens. We have a prophecy of the Shivaim Shavuim. Oftentimes it is called 70 weeks. But because the word seven in the Hebrew language is simply mean Shavuim, Shiva Shavuim, seven T sevens, because the word Shiva or Shavuim simply speaks of a certain quantity of either years or days, very similar to the word dozen, or very similar to the word triple or myriad, that speaks of a ten thousand, or pair, that speaks of two. The word 
Seventy-sevens simply means seventy times seven of years, which is 490 years that the man Gabriel, the angel Gabriel, wanted to instruct Daniel concerning the plan and the program that God has for his people Israel and for his city, the city of Yerushalayim. But notice what we read, that after Daniel's prayer on behalf of Israel, God now sent his angel Gabriel. Gabriel was already mentioned in chapter 8, and there in verse 16, And I heard a man's voice between the banks of Ulai, which called and said, Gabriel, make this man to understand the vision. Gabriel was an angel that God have raised to be a servant for the people of Israel. We notice that Gabriel was not only speaking to Daniel in the days when Israel were in the diaspora, in the dispersion. We also notice, beloved brothers and sisters, from the Gospel of Luke, that Gabriel was the one that announced to Miriam the coming of the Messiah. As we read in verse 19 of Luke chapter 1, where we have read, And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God. He said this to Zechariah. But not only this, a little bit later on in verse 26 we do read, And in the sixth month the angel of Gabriel was sent from God into the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin. This is Miriam, espoused to a man whose name was Yosef, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Miriam. And so Gabriel was an angel that ministered to the people of Israel. We find him serving Israel in the dispersions. Daniel was in Babylon 539 BC. And about nearly 600 years later, we find him speaking to Zechariah and to Miriam, pronouncing the coming of the Mashiach the coming of Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah. And so here, as we read here in verse 20, beloved brothers and sisters, in this ninth chapter of the book of Daniel, Daniel said, While I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my supplication before Jehovah, before the Lord my God, for the holy mountain of my God, Yea, while I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the evening sacrifice. This is verse 20 and 21 of Daniel chapter 9. So Daniel did not even finish to pray. He did not even finish to confess did not even finish to supplicate on behalf of his people Israel, the Jewish people, and on behalf of the city of Yerushalayim, which he loved so much. Then God, then Jehovah, then the Lord sent his servant, the angel Gabriel. Notice we read in verse 20, 
that while I was speaking and praying and confessing and presenting, notice this word, speaking, praying, confessing, and presenting. What was he doing? He was confessing his sin. He was confessing the sin of his own people, Israel, and he was presenting his supplication before the Lord. And notice the word Lord here. It's a capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, which is the Hebrew, Yehovah, Jehovah. This is the covenant-keeping name of God which he had given to himself when Moshe asked him concerning the question that the children of Israel may ask, Who is the one that sent you? And the God of Moses, the God of Israel said, I am that I am. And then he said, Tell them that Yehovah, Jehovah, have sent me unto you, and this is my name throughout generation, forever. And the word Yehovah, the word Jehovah, the word Lord, we often among our Jewish people are not using that name, not because we don't want to use it, but because. We have been always taught that it is such a sacred name of God that one must be very careful how to use that name. And yet in the book of Daniel, in the days of the dispersion of our own people, the Jewish people, the only chapter that the name Jehovah is mentioned, Jehovah is only here in Daniel chapter 9 when Daniel is praying. It is found in verse 2, in verse 4, in verse 10. In verse 13, 14, and this time it is the last time that the name Yehovah, Lord, is mentioned here in this ninth chapter of Daniel. So God, so Jehovah sent his angel to minister to Daniel. And you notice what we read in verse 21, while I was speaking in prayer, notice even the man Gabriel whom I have seen in a vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, he touched me at about a time of the evening sacrifice. Very, very beautiful to see, beloved brothers and sisters, because in verse 21 we find out that this angel, Gabriel, appeared as a man. Whenever angels appeared, they always appeared in the history of our people of Israel as men. In the day of Abraham, when Abraham was sitting in the tent, there were three men that appeared there. And one of them was Jehovah himself, the Lord himself. And then the other two men continued to, to Sodom. And they were angels, but they went and they appeared as men. Always in the Hebrew scripture, when an angel appears, he appears as a male man. And always, most likely, as a young male men, serving God's people. When he comes, when an angel comes to this world to be among men, among people, he appears as male men. And so here is Gabriel. Gabriel simply means that he is the strength of God. Gavar, the one that has a power on behalf of God to serve him among his own people, the people of Israel. And so notice what Gabriel said. He flew very swiftly. He touched Daniel. And you notice what we read, that Daniel have already have seen him 
whom I have seen in the vision at the beginning. In other words, Daniel have already seen him according to chapter 8 that we have already mentioned that in verse 16, he saw him in the vision there by the banks of Ulai when he was carried to see that vision concerning the future day in Israel's history. And so, Gabriel then was told to come to explain to Daniel the previous vision that he had seen, but apparently Daniel had seen additional visions and Daniel needed understanding from the angel of God. This time it is Gabriel himself. Beloved brothers and sisters, according to Daniel chapter 7, Daniel have seen more than one vision. Notice what we read in Daniel chapter 7 and verse 1. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions, plural. Chizionot, chazonot, plural. Chazonet, visions of his head upon his bed. And then he write down this dream. He was a servant of the Lord in the dispersion that God had raised him to give him information concerning the events that would take place during the times of the Gentiles when the kingdom was taken from his people Israel and was handed over to the Gentile world. And the Gentiles' empires from Babel, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Grecian, and the Romans, they will all pass through all this time of the Gentiles, and one by one they will come to an end until the final Messianic kingdom will be established under the King Messiah Yeshua, and Israel as a nation restored to the place of blessing as God have intended it for his own people Israel. And so Daniel is praying. And while he's praying and beseeching the Lord to restore Israel, Gabriel, the man, was sent. The angel was sent. And he came. And you notice what we read? He came to Daniel about the time of the evening oblation. In Hebrew, we call it Minchat Erev. To remind you, beloved brothers and sisters, that throughout the history of Israel in the temple, God have requested from Israel that Israel will offer, Exodus chapter 29, morning and evening sacrifices. Morning and evening, morning and evening, boker ve'erev. Why? Because every sacrifice in the morning and in the evening pointed to the coming Messiah. And just to remind you, when the Messiah came, he died. He died when it was at the evening sacrifice, beloved brothers and sisters. That is when the Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus, paid for the sin of this world, exactly when it was that evening sacrifice. Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah, was on the cross for six hours. At about nine o'clock in the morning, they placed him on the cross, on the tree, the morning sacrifice. And he was for six hours on the cross. In the middle of the day, at noon, the sun refused to shine. And then three hours later, that one cry that brought about the final offering that was offered on behalf of mankind. We read in Mark chapter 15. There we read in verse 33. And when the sixth hour was come, this is the evening sacrifice. There was darkness 
sixth hour that was in the noontime, in the middle of the day. And there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And here's that ninth hour, the evening sacrifice. And at the ninth hour, Yeshua cried with a loud voice, saying, Elohi, Elohi, lama shvaktani, which is being interpreted, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And so, beloved brothers and sisters, Daniel, knowing the timings of the sacrifice, he is praying in the morning and in the evening, and even though he could not offer sacrifices because he was in Babel and the Jewish people were in the dispersion in Babylon. They could not offer the sacrifices because Nebuchadnezzar destroyed the temple and there was no longer sacrificial system offered until the return back to the land and the rebuilding of the second temple. And so Daniel is praying at the evening sacrifice. And you know what we read? We read that in verse 22 and verse 23, that Gabriel came to give Daniel a skill and understanding of God's program of the restoration of Israel at the end of the times of the Gentiles. And so we read in verse 22 and verse 23, And he informed me, and he talked with me, and he said, O Daniel, I am now come forth to give thee not a skill, the Hebrew word is sechel, lehaskil, and understanding. In Hebrew it is lehavin, to understand. What to have skill about? What to understand? To understand God's program for Israel. And while Daniel thought in his mind that the time will come now that God will restore Israel and will establish the promised kingdom, the Messianic kingdom. Here Gabriel, the angel, was sent to give Daniel instruction that while God will restore Israel now after 70 years back to the land, but there are additional 70 sevens of years which will take place in order to finally God will bring the future promise of the kingdom and the reign of Messiah over Israel and over all the nations of the world. And Daniel needed to understand that. And that's why Gabriel, the angel, was sent swiftly to give Daniel skill and to give him understanding. And he said in verse 23, At the beginning of thy supplication, the commandment came forth, and I am come to show thee, for thou art greatly beloved. Notice this beautiful expression, thou art greatly beloved. In Hebrew, ki chamudot ata. You are beloved, you are sweetheart. The Hebrew word is chamud, is a sweetheart. Ki ata chamud. He is a man that was loved by God. Loved by God. He was a man of God that served God throughout the time in which he was in Babel. Even though he was away from the land, he never for a moment forgot the God of his fathers. He never for a moment forgot his people. He never for a moment deviated from the Torah, from the law that God had given his own people of Israel. He was greatly beloved. And notice he continued, therefore understand 
the matter and consider the vision. Apparently, Daniel has seen another vision because according to chapter 7 and verse 1, he saw many visions. The vision of chapter 7, the vision of chapter 8, and he saw a vision of which we didn't read about, but here come Gabriel to give him the understanding of that vision which he wanted Daniel to understand concerning the future restoration of Israel beyond these 70 years that are just about to finish, but to take him to the future end of days, at the end of the tribulation period, where ultimately God will restore once and for all his people Israel and the whole world will come to a place where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Yeshua, the Messiah, that Jesus, the Messiah, is Lord. But before that will happen, there are certain things which have to come to pass. And so, beloved brothers and sisters, by the time we arrive now to verses 24 to verse 27, in this interesting ninth chapter of Daniel, here, beloved brothers and sisters, we learn the meaning of the vision of the 77th. The meaning of the vision which Daniel has seen, of which we haven't read as yet, but the meaning of it is now coming to be understood by Daniel as Gabriel is about to help him to understand. Again, I would like to remind you, beloved brothers and sisters, that in the first 19 verses of Daniel chapter 9, Daniel was longing for the restoration of his people. He was praying, as we have already read, on behalf of his people, but also on behalf of the holy mountain of God. Verse 20, that holy mountain of God is the Mount Moriah that where the temple once stood, it's called in Hebrew, Har Kodesh Elohai. He came in prayer before God on behalf of his people Israel, but also on behalf of the temple that was destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar in 586 BC. Years have passed by, and now Daniel is ready to be uh, restored him and the Jewish people, and he is just praying sincerely before the Lord, confessing the sins and uh, desiring that the restoration will be. But he assumed, beloved brothers and sisters, that once the Israel, the Jewish people, will go back to the land, the kingdom will be established. And a Messiah will reign. And there will be no longer dispersion of the Jewish people. But Gabriel came to give him understanding and to give him skill. So he will know that there are additional 490 years which God had cut out from the history of humanity during the times of the Gentiles, he cut them out for the people of Israel 490 years 
out of the times of the Gentiles. And these additional 77s will bring about the final messianic kingdom that was promised to David, the forefather of Daniel. You remember, beloved brothers and sisters, that in 2 Samuel chapter 7, in 1 Chronicles chapter 17, there was a promise to the people of Israel that the kingdom to David, there will be a kingdom established and someone, a descendant of David, will sit upon the throne of David. In 1 Chronicles chapter 17 and verse 7, we do read, beloved brothers and sisters, that the Lord is speaking. Now therefore thus shalt thou say unto my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took thee from the sheep coat, even from following the sheep, that thou should be a ruler over my people Israel. And I have been with thee, whithersoever thou hast walked, and have cut off all thine enemies from before thee. And have made thee a name like the name of a great man that are in the earth. Also I will ordain a place for my people Israel, and I will plant them, and they shall dwell in their place, and shall be moved no more. Listen to this. Neither shall the children of the wickedness waste them any more as it was at the beginning. And since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel, moreover I will subdue all thine enemies. Furthermore, I tell thee, God is saying to David, King David, that the Lord will build thee a house, and it shall come to pass when thy days be expired, that thou must go to be with thy fathers, that I will raise up thy seed after thee, which shall be of thy sons, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build me a house, and I will establish his throne forever. This is a messianic promise of the descendants of David, the Mashiach, Jesus, Yeshua, will rule and reign over the household of Israel. I will be his father, and he shall be my son, and I will not take my mercy away from him as I took it from him that was before thee, but I will settle him in my house and in my kingdom forever, and his throne shall be established forevermore. So Daniel longed for the establishment of the Messianic kingdom of the descendant of David to come and to ultimately rule and reign and sit upon David's throne forever. But, beloved brothers and sisters, Gabriel was sent by God to instruct Daniel that there will be 490 years, which is really 77th. 70, this is 70 years times 7, and 70 times 7 is 490 years. Out of the times of the Gentiles, there will be 490 years that will come to pass before the Davidic kingdom will be established, before the Messianic kingdom will be established. And that's the lesson, beloved brothers and sisters, that Gabriel is going to instruct Daniel right 
in these verses as we study them together from verse 24 to verse 27. So please follow me as we look over these very, very important verses in Daniel chapter 9 and verses 24 to verse 27. Firstly, I would like you to notice that in verse 24a, God points to these 77s of years. In verse 24a we read, 70 weeks, it says here in the King James, but it really should be 77s are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city. Now again, beloved brothers and sisters, if we will read that, it's very important to read it in a proper way in verse 24. Shavuim Shivim. The word Shavuim in Hebrew, it simply means it's a number. It could be a number of anything. Just the same like using in the English language the word for pair. Pair will mean two. Or the word for myriad. Myriad will mean 10,000. Or the word for dozen, dozen of eggs, or dozen of any number of anything. So in the Hebrew, the word shavuim, shivaim, the word shavuim is a masculine word. It's not a feminine word. You know, when you say the feast of weeks, the Hebrew word, the word weeks is shavuot. When we celebrate the feast of weeks, we celebrate the feast of shavuot. But here it's not Shavuot, but it is Shavuim. And the word Shavuim simply means that there will be 77s of years that have been cut for the people of Israel and for the city that belong to the Lord, Daniel's city. Notice I'm reading, 77s are decreed upon thy people. This is the Jewish people. And upon thy holy city, this is the holy city, the city of Yerushalayim. Now I want to pause here and mention something that is very important for all of us to understand. These 70 weeks, or these 77s are in connection with the people of Israel. Not in connection with the church, the ecclesia. The church was not even born. We don't have the church here. In fact, in fact... This prophecy was written at about um, 539 B.C. The church was only formed at about 30 A.D. And so this prophecy is in relationship to the people of Israel. The church was hid in God. The truth of the assembly, the ecclesia, was not revealed to anyone else only until the Messiah came and died and rose again and gave this information to the apostles in the early days of the church age. The apostle Paul, Shaul Paul, wrote to the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 3, and he said to them, For this cause I, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus the Messiah, for you Gentile, if ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which was given to me, Toward you, how that he, by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in a few words, whereby when ye read ye may understand 
my knowledge in a mystery of the Messiah, which in other ages, including in that age of Daniel, it was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles, the New Testament apostles, the New Testament prophets by the Spirit. And this mystery, we read in verse 9 of Ephesians 3, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world has been hid in God, who created all things by Yeshua HaMashiach, by Jesus Christ. In other words, the church age was hid in God, was not revealed to the sons of men whatsoever until the finished work of the Messiah and when Israel did not accept him at his first coming and the assembly was born. The church, the assembly is a heavenly company. But beloved brothers and sisters, notice this again. Daniel chapter 9 verse 24. 77th are determined upon thy people, not upon the church, but upon thy people, namely the Jewish people, the people of Israel. And upon the, thy holy city, this is the city of Jerusalem. This is so important, because if we understand that, it will help us to understand that the church is a heavenly company which will be taken out of here before the tribulation period. And that when the church, when the ecclesia, when the heavenly company will be taken out of here as the bride of the Messiah, the bride of Christ, God will resume His dealing with Israel during the seven year of tribulation and ultimately will restore them at the end of the tribulation period. That is important to understand, beloved brothers and sisters. So notice now, now he says in this verse 24 of Daniel chapter 9, seventy-seventh are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city. This is the city of Yerushalayim. Then he gives us, and he gives Daniel to understand from the Verse same verse 24, this time is the second half of the verse, that there will be six things that must take place before this final restoration of the people of Israel back to God and back to the city of Jerusalem and back to their Messiah. There are six things that must take place before Israel's final restoration. Now let's look at these six things that are found in verse 24b. Number one, to finish the transgression. Number two, to make an end of sins. Number three, to make reconciliation for iniquity. Number four, to bring everlasting righteousness. Number five, to seal up the vision and prophecy, and number six, uh, to anoint the most holy, or more correct, the most holy place, Limshoach Kodesh Kodashim in Hebrew. So there are six things that must happen before that 77s will come to fruition. And these 77s, these are 77s of years. Sometimes there are sevens of one thing or, or sevens of, of another thing, but these are 70 times seven of years. 
70 times 7 is 490. 490 years are cut off or decreed upon thy people and upon thy holy city. These 490 years are necessary in order to, notice, to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring an everlasting righteousness, to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy place. These are important. Now, another thing that is so important to understand, these six things that are necessary in order to bring about final restoration of Daniel's people, the Jewish people, Israel, and Daniel's holy city, the city of Jerusalem, these six things are speaking concerning the coming of the Messiah, both in His first coming, to die, to pay for the sin of this world, as the Lamb of God, which Isaiah 53 Verse 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. But the Lord laid upon him the iniquities of us all. That's the first coming of the Messiah. Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 6. But also these six things are part and parcel, which is including the second coming of the Messiah, which also in Isaiah 53 we read, In the last verses, he shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. And by his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many. For he shall bear their iniquity. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great. And he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he has poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors. In other words, God will provide for the Messiah. He will give him a portion with the great. And he will raise him and he will place him in the pinnacle of the universe. And he will be the one that ultimately will receive the future kingdom at his second coming. As we do read in Psalm 110, Sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. And so, beloved brothers and sisters, this is so important to understand that these six things that must happen involve both first and second coming of the Messiah. He would come once to die, and he would come the second time to rule and to reign and to establish Davidic kingdom that was promised by God to the descendants of David, to the people of Israel. And so you notice to finish transgression. This is to bring completely an end of Israel's sins because the Messiah will ultimately pay for their sins. As we read in Isaiah 53, All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned everyone to his own way, but the Lord laid upon him the iniquities of us all. In fact, Isaiah in chapter 53, specifically mentioned the death of the Messiah for the transgression of the people of Israel. And if you notice, when you read Isaiah chapter 53, you will notice when Isaiah is confessing, in fact, it is the confession of Israel, and he said at the end of verse 8, for the transgression of my people, this is Israel, 
Just like Daniel said, my people, he is saying here, Isaiah, for the transgression of my people was he stricken. The Messiah would die for the transgression of the nation of Israel. So he will finish transgression. That means that he will have to come and die. The second thing, he will make an end of sins. The Hebrew word here, uh, that means that he will completely seal up sins. Thirdly, he will make reconciliation for iniquity. The word kafar or kapara or atonement. The Messiah will simply purge away Israel's iniquities. And once and for all, he will deal with the question of sin. Not only Israel, but the sins of all the world. But in the context of Daniel chapter 9, Daniel is hearing from Gabriel 77 that decreed upon thy people and upon thy holy city. So the context here is the nation of Israel. Of course, praise God, our Lord Jesus, the Messiah died for all the sins of all the world. Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. John chapter 1 and verse 29. Number 4 in this verse 24b, to bring an everlasting righteousness. Oh, beloved brothers and sisters, the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, the promised Messiah, is Jehovah our righteousnesses. We read in Jeremiah 23 and Jeremiah 33. He is the one that will rule and reign in righteousness, as we read in Isaiah chapter 11, where we read, And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall go out of his roots, and the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. And notice what we read in verse 4, But with righteousness he shall judge the poor. With he is the righteous king, he is Jehovah our righteousness. Jeremiah 23 and Jeremiah 33. Number 5 in verse 24b, he will seal up the vision and prophecy. In other words, he will fulfill everything that had been seen by vision and spoken by God's word and everything that the prophets have prophesied concerning the promises of God of ultimate restoration of the people of Israel. And number six, he will anoint the most holy. In other words, before the Messiah and before the kingdom will come, the Messiah will come to finish transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation, to bring an everlasting righteousness, to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy place. And that has to do with the final messianic kingdom that will come at the last day. And to remind you that the messianic kingdom and the temple doing the messianic kingdom, the most holy place, the temple that will be rebuilt in a future day is mentioned for us in Ezekiel chapter 40 and up to chapter 48. And also it's mentioned in Isaiah chapter 66 concerning the future temple that will be built during the messianic age that is involving the second coming of the messiah and so now beloved brothers and sisters we have learned thus far that there will be a period of 490 years 77 
which will have to take place during the times of the Gentiles. In other words, 490 years they will be cut from the times of the Gentiles, which began at 586 BC and will end at the end of the tribulation. 490 years are cut from all these years in order to bring about the restoration of Israel. These 490 years will be divided into smaller units, which are mentioned here in the next verses, and the three units that are mentioned here, that the divisions of the 490 years are placed before us here in verses 25, 26, and verse 27. The 490 years are divided into three sections or three units. The first unit is 49 years. The second unit is 434 years. And the third unit is 7 years. Now it is a bit confusing. And you and I might not grasp it immediately. We need the Lord's help for that. But here, Gabriel is giving this information to Daniel. Daniel placed this for us in the canon of Scripture. And you and I, with the Lord's help, as we search the Scripture... We learn where these 490 years fit into this total picture of the promises of God concerning the final restoration of the people of Israel and the establishment of the kingdom. Remember, six things must happen during these days of the times of the Gentiles. The six things that must happen are simply this. It is, number one, as we have seen it already, beloved brothers and sisters, it is to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring an everlasting righteousness, to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy place, the messianic temple. And so now, in these last verses... Verses 25, 26, and 27, which are fascinating verses, beloved brothers and sisters, Daniel received this instruction. Notice what Gabriel is saying to Daniel. In verse 25a, b, and c, Gabriel mentioning three points in this verse 25. The starting point of the 77s of years which is the 490 years. The starting point will be from the going forth of the command to restore and to build Jerusalem. Notice that most Bible teachers believe that verse 25, know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the Prince, there shall be seven weeks and three scores and two weeks the street shall be built again, and the wall even in troublous time. So notice that the first thing is from, from the going forth of the command to restore and to build Jerusalem. From is 445 BC. It was then where Artaxerxes, the king, allowed Nehemiah, to go and to rebuild the walls and the city of Yerushalayim. 
Of course, some believe that it was not from 445 BC in the days of Nehemiah, but earlier when Ezra received a decree to go to the city of Jerusalem to build a temple, he also built the city itself. But most Bible teachers understand from this portion that it is from about 445 BC when the command by King Artaxerxes to Nehemiah, found in Nehemiah chapter 2, the first few verses when Nehemiah wept because of the condition of Israel, King Artaxerxes have given him the permission to go to rebuild the wall. Now mind you, some of the city perhaps was built already, but it was obviously involved in building both the walls of Jerusalem and also if you build the walls, you have to live somewhere and therefore the city itself was also to be built at the same time. So the first thing we learn in verse 25 that this time of the beginning of this 490 years will be from 444-445 BC. That is found in Nehemiah chapter 2 and verses 1 to 8. Secondly, notice the word in verse 25, it is unto, you notice in verse 25, it's not only from, but also unto the Messiah, the Prince. So in other words, there will be the 490 years will begin from 445. And it will be unto the time when the Messiah, the Prince, will come. In other words, 490 years will begin from 445 BC. And it will take all the way until the time when the Messiah will come. Notice it says Messiah, the Prince. In Hebrew, Mashiach, Nagid. Very interesting word because twice you find the word here, prince. Once the word prince apply in verse 25 to the true Messiah. And the second time it's found in verse 26 and it's applied to the false Messiah. Both of them are called prince here in this ninth chapter. One of them to Christ, to the Mashiach. The second one is to the Antichrist, to the counterfeit Messiah. So, 490 years will begin from 445 BC. And it will go all the way until the coming of the Messiah. And the Messiah, notice, is called the Prince. Now, thirdly, in the same verse, verse 25, we learn that these 490 years, these 77s of years, 70 times 7 equal 490 years, these 77s of years will be divided into three sections. In other words, as I mentioned earlier, the first section will be 49 years. This is 7 times 7. The second unit will be divided, will be 434 years. 
which will be 62 sevenths, and the third section will be 7 years, which will be 1 seventh. In other words, it's not easy to grasp, but beloved brothers and sisters, may the Lord help us. So these 490 years will be divided into three units of years. The first unit, 49 years, which is 7 times 7. The second unit will be 434 years, which is 62 years times 7. And the third unit will be only one seven years. Seven years, which is one seven. Together, 490 years. I hope the Lord can help us, can help you all and all of us to understand and to grasp it. So the 490 years will start from the command that Nehemiah received to go to build the city of Yerushalayim and the walls around the city, 445 BC. And it will be unto the time when the Messiah, the Prince, will appear. Some believe that it has to do with the Messiah, the Prince, Nagid Mashiach, when he will come at his birth. Others believe that it will be when he will appear publicly there in the city of Yerushalayim at the triumphant entry just before he will die, some 33 years later. Whichever it may be, beloved brothers and sisters, whether it speaks about his birth at Bethlehem, or whether it speaks about his public appearing, a triumphant entry to the city of Jerusalem before his death, both of these dates come before the temple in the city of Jerusalem will be destroyed, it's 70 AD by the Roman army, by Titus. So one thing we learn is that the 490 years will bring about the coming of the Messiah. The starting point is 445 BC, counting 490 from 445 BC brings us into about 32 AD. And that's why most Bible teachers would say that that applies to the triumphant entry of Yeshua HaMashiach into the city of Jerusalem, rather than the birth of Yeshua HaMashiach in the city of Bethlehem, which was about 33 years earlier. What we learn from here, that the Messiah will come before 70 AD, before the temple was destroyed by the Romans by Titus. Now, the third point that we learned from verse 25, that they will be divided into, notice, seven weeks and three score and two weeks, which is 62 weeks or 62 sevens. So, seven times seven is 49 years and uh, 62 sevens is four hundred. In 34 years. In other words, this is a division between the 49 years and the 434 years, which means that there will be about 49 years will take to finally completely build the city of Yerushalayim from the time that they began to rebuild the city after Nehemiah 
came to Jerusalem to rebuild the wall and the city. So 49 years, with all the time that the Jewish people stopped to rebuild the city and the walls, it took about 49 years to build the whole city and the walls of Jerusalem. Then there will be another 434 years over and above that will have to pass by that are linked with this 49. There is no break in between. You can see that in verse 25, even though the Spirit of God and the angel Gabriel divide them into these two sections, but it is a continual time together. 49 years, first of all, it will take to build the city. Then they will pass another 434 years to continue on before the next event take place. So, 49 plus 434 together is 483 years that will take place already at that time. The Messiah will come, and obviously the Messiah will die, and will be buried, and will be resurrected. And then you notice there will be, notice it says in verse 25 at the end, the street shall be built again, the wall even in troublous time. In other words, after the walls and after the street in Yerushalayim will be built and then there will be troublous time that will continue on and on and on and on, even unto the final days of the days of the future, one times seven, which is the seven years that are still remain out of these 490 years. Beloved brothers and sisters, it is not easy to grasp, but with the help of the Lord we can understand what Gabriel is saying to Daniel here in verse 25. And so now, in the next verses, this is verse 26 and verse 27, there will be still three events that will take place during that time, which will be the 483 years. Notice what Gabriel is saying to his to the beloved one, Daniel. He says, and after, notice, after the three score and two weeks, in other words, after the 434 years, after the second section of these three units, in other words, it's really after the 483 years together, then what will happen? Number one, notice that what we learn here, the Messiah will be cut off in verse 26. The Messiah will die which tells us that the Messiah will die before 70 AD, because from 445 BC, take from it 483 years, it will bring the time in the times of the Gentiles to about 30 to 32 AD. And at about that time, the Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus, died. The temple still stood. Sacrifices still continued, but the Messiah was the final supreme sacrifice. And even though our people continue to offer sacrifices until 70 AD, God has not accepted these sacrifices anymore because the Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus, have died. 
So the Messiah will be cut off, but not for himself. He will be cut off, not because of any sin that he has done, but he will die for the sins of yours and mine and the sins of this world. Isaiah 53.8 For the transgression of my people was he stricken. John 1.29 The Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the whole world, the sin of the world. Secondly, in verse 26, notice what happened. It continued to say, that the people of the prince that shall come, here's again the word prince, notice in verse 25, Messiah the prince speak of Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah, Mashiach Nagid. In verse 26, the word is not Mashiach Nagid, but it is the Nagid, the prince that shall come. And that is the people of the prince that shall come, Am Nagid. Now, the people of the prince that shall come shall, notice, destroy the city, this is Jerusalem, and the sanctuary, this is the temple. In other words, the second thing that will happen in these 483 years that have already will pass by is that the Messiah will die, and there will be a people which are belong to the prince that shall come. That prince is none else but the Antichrist, the false messiah. The people of the false messiah shall destroy Jerusalem and destroy the temple. Who are these people? From history we know that these people are the Romans. In 70 AD, Titus, the general Titus, came with a Roman army and he totally destroyed Jerusalem, he killed over 100,000 Jewish people, of our own people. He desecrated everything there in the city of Jerusalem, destroyed, not left one stone upon another, as it was predicted by Yeshua the Messiah in Matthew 24 and Luke 21. And he ultimately took many of the Jewish people, slaves, and took the vessels from the temple, the gold, and have taken away to Rome. So the people... These are the Romans. The prince that shall come, that is in the future yet, this is the Antichrist. So the peoples of the Romans and the prince that shall come will come out of the Roman Empire, the Antichrist, the false messiah, who will rise from among the Roman Empire, of whom we have already read in Daniel 2 and in Daniel 7. The legs that are iron and clay represented the Roman Empire in Daniel chapter 2. And that's where out of the toes came one of these horns that ultimately is the Antichrist. He was a Gentile from the Roman Empire. According to Daniel chapter 7, he was the undescribed beast that Daniel had seen in his vision. And that was that beast that will rise out and ultimately will speak blasphemy against the God of Daniel, the God of Israel. So, number one, the Messiah will be cut off, verse 26, not for himself, for the sin of this world. Number two, the Romans will come and they will destroy the temple and out of the Romans will come a prince in a future day, the Antichrist. 
We learn of this in other passages in Scripture, such as in Matthew 24 and other passages that are mentioned to us in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, that prince that will come in a future day. And then also notice that in verse 26, the third thing that notice what we read in verse 26 at the end, after that he, the prince that will come, the people of the prince will destroy the sanctuary. And then he said that the end thereof will be with a flood. And unto the end there will be a war and desolation are determined. In other words, the military armies of the Romans will come as a flood, a military flood. And they will cause desolation that God have already determined that this will happen because of the discipline that he still intend to discipline his own people, the people of Israel. You remember in Matthew chapter 24, Yeshua the Messiah said in verse 2 of Matthew chapter 24, Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, there shall not be left one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. In other words, Yeshua knew even when he was still alive, at about 30 AD here in Matthew 24, he knew very well that later on, 40 years later, there will be destruction of the temple and not one stone remain upon another. And indeed, in 70 AD, this happened when the Romans came and destroyed the city of Jerusalem. Now, beloved brothers and sisters, just the last verse for conclusion in Daniel 9 and verse 27. And he shall confirm a covenant with the many. For one week. Here's the final seven years. For one seventh. He, this is the Antichrist, shall impose a covenant with many. Not all, but with many from among our Jewish people in that future day. That Notice it says here he will do it for one-seventh, for one-seventh of years, for seven years. They will hear, this is the Antichrist, he will make a covenant with the many in Israel for seven years. And the covenant that he will make with them will be to provide for them a way whereby they can offer sacrifices on the altar. And that teaches us that the temple must be rebuilt in a future day. And that is, of course, beloved brothers and sisters, is the tribulation temple, which we learn about it from other passages in the Word of God. In the book of Thessalonians, 2nd Thessalonians chapter 2, we do learn concerning this wicked man, this uh, one that is called here the prince that shall come. We read of him that this wicked one in 2nd Thessalonians chapter 2, he will be, notice verse 4, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he is God sitting in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. In other words, in order for the counterfeit Messiah, in order for the prince that shall come to sit in the temple of God, there must be a temple built. 
and therefore you will sit in this temple of God claiming to be divine, seeking the worship of all. And beloved brothers and sisters, this seven-year tribulation will come to place after the rapture of the church. Not before, as we mentioned earlier, that the assembly, the church, the ecclesia is a heavenly company. The promises for the assembly, for the ecclesia is in heaven, not here on earth. And the church will be raptured according to the First Thessalonians chapter 4 and First Corinthians chapter 15. The heavenly company will be taken out of here and this Jacob's trouble which will be for seven years will begin some point of time after that. And the beginning of these seven years will be at the time where the prince that shall come, the Antichrist, will confirm a covenant with the many in Israel for seven years. The moment he will sign that covenant, that will be the beginning of seven years. 360 days in every year, 30 days in every month. Seven years, but notice what will happen. And we will conclude with this, beloved brothers and sisters. Then in the midst of the week, in the midst of the sevens, in the midst of the seven years, this is three and a half years, right in the middle, he shall cause the sacrifice and oblation to cease. In other words, he will stop the Jewish people from allowing to offer sacrifices unto their God. Of course, God did not accept these sacrifices because the Messiah has already come many, many years earlier. From our point of time, it's about 2,000 years. It'll be much longer from the days of the tribulation period. So he will stop the sacrifices which God will anyway not accept because the Messiah was the final sacrifice. Yeshua HaMashiach himself. But he will stop it. But notice this. According to Second Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 4, he will claim to be God. He will sit in the temple showing himself that he is God. In other words, he will stop the sacrifices to God and he will ask all to worship him. And notice what we read at the end, according to these verses, beloved brothers and sisters, after he will break the covenant in the middle of the seven-year covenant, which will be forced covenant. It will not be a covenant that he will, people voluntarily will go because the word Hegbir, Brit, make a covenant. This is in Hebrew, it was really by force. He kind of Hegbir, he forced it. And then we read at the end of verse 27, beloved brothers and sisters, and we read, then he will cause the abomination of desolation to happen by claiming to be God and forcing everyone to worship him. We read in verse 27b, And for the overspreading of abomination, he shall make it desolate, even until the consummation, until the end, and the determined shall be poured upon the desolate, or the desolator. In other words, eventually the fate of this one that false messiah, the prince that shall come, the antichrist, eventually, after he make this 
abomination of desolation claiming to be God until, until finally the end will come and God will determine the fate of these wicked men in that he will cause the Antichrist to be desolated at the end and judge. And ultimately the Lord Yeshua, the Messiah will come and take his rightful place here in this world beloved brothers and sisters this is amazing as we study these verses together may god help us to understand the plan and the program that god has during the times of the gentiles how wonderful it will be when the messiah will ultimately come and take his rightful place in this world this antichrist he will seek the worship of others. We read in Revelation chapter 13, He opened his mouth, verse 6, and he blasphemed against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints. He fought against the Jewish people during the tribulation period and to overcome them. The Lord have allowed him to even overcome them until the end. He said that given to him power to and notice over the kindred and the tongues and the nation and notice verse 8 and all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And so beloved brothers and sisters, this wicked man that will take the place of God ultimately, he will be cast into the lake of fire and brimstone never to do anything anymore what he have done during the times of the tribulation period. Beloved brothers and sisters, may the Lord encourage us to realize that God ultimately will bring about all that which he had promised. Notice to conclude in verse 20 of Revelation chapter 19, And the beast was taken with him and the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into the lake of fire burning with brimstone. And so, beloved brothers and sisters, in conclusion, that false Messiah will be judged, and Daniel received his instructions from Gabriel concerning the whole times of the Gentiles, which include the first and the second coming of our Lord Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah. May the Lord help us to appreciate what the Lord has done for us, and may we look forward for the day that he will come and take his rightful place as King of Kings, and Lord of Lord. May God bless His word, beloved brothers and sisters. Until the next time, we say to you, Shalom, Shalom. You have been listening to the Holy Scriptures and Israel with Gideon Levitam. Gideon teaches God's Word from a Hebrew Messianic perspective. For more information about this ministry, 
write to Holy Scriptures and Israel, Box 1411, Niagara-on-the-Lake, Ontario, L0S1J0, or visit our website at holyscripturesandisrael.com. You are also invited to Gideon's weekly Bible teaching on Fridays at 11 a.m. and 7 p.m. and Saturdays at 1 p.m. at Willowdale Christian Assembly Hall, 28 Martin Ross Avenue in Toronto. Holy Scriptures and Israel is made possible by your prayers and financial support. If you would like to support the program, visit holyscripturesandisrael.com. God bless you. Shalom, shalom.